Welcome to the Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 podcast series. My name is Stuart Wright and regular listeners will know I've been the host of Britflix podcast since 2013. For new listeners who came here for the Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 content, I've been a resident of Leighton for over 20 years and I'm proud to be part of a film festival happening right on my doorstep in East London, UK. Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 is a free four-day film festival and really has something for everyone of all ages who can make it to the birthplace of one of cinema's greats, Alfred Hitchcock. It runs from Wednesday 15th September to Sunday 19th September in outdoor and indoor venues along the Leightonstone High Road and across town. There'll be open-air film screenings in Langthorne Park and indoor events in Leightonstone Library, St John's Church, Phillybrook, Heathcote and Star, Nexus Centre, online and more. As well as films, there'll be talks, installations, trails and workshops. The Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 podcast series will be 10 podcasts in total. Nine are released on Friday 3rd of September. Each of those podcasts feature three or four preview interviews with the filmmakers and or film organisations taking part in the four-day event. A 10th podcast will be released late September look back on highlights from Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021. The show notes include the names of the guests and organisations featured in this episode, links to the main Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 website, as well as links to specific parts of the programme that feature in this episode. That includes the what, the where and the when. It just needs me to say, on with the interviews and enjoy this episode of the Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 podcast series. Who are you and who or what do you represent? Uh, I am Ethan Ross. I represent Big Ten Films along with Emmanuel Lee, who you've already spoken to. Indeed, uh, I have. A, Yeah, we are a film slash media slash everything production company slash collective sort of focused on, I guess, community and youth voices in mostly short films. And what, what, how did that come about? Um, so I met Emmanuel about four years ago, I would say. Mm-hmm. And we both simply just wanted to make films. It was before we'd either kind of made anything of note or anything we were proud of, but we just sort of made each other and we both wanted to make films. So it sort of naturally ended up drifting together, I would say. Mm. And then from there, it just grew and grew and grew. Uh, we started working with different people and they became more frequent collaborators and it kind of just built outwards, yeah. What does Leighton Stone Love's film mean to you? Um, so we attended a workshop about two years ago on first-time filmmaking. I mean, work, we had already done first-time filmmaking by then, but it was still a nice kind of opportunity to, I guess, consolidate what we knew, which was great. And also, I would say, um, we know Leighton Stone's film because of Forest Film Club, which is always a festival that's been, like, really kind of kind to us. We've met people, we've got work through there. Mm. So Anthony and Sarah have really, like, supported our filmmaking, especially because we work in Waltham Forest a lot. Um, so just our kind of connection to the event comes through a lot of very positive like filmmaking channels so it's, it's a good thing definitely. yeah i must admit that's certainly a message i'm getting from the people i'm interviewing is that there's there's a bunch of creatives in this borough and they all seem to be very supportive of one another yeah i mean i would say i actually don't live in Wolfham forest i live in enfield um but i end up working you know on uh borough of culture a bit uh with emmanuel and just kind of our shoots have been around that area but I can just tell there's kind of like a very creative vibe in Walthamstone, kind of not Holmes Park as much, but like just there's that, that that kind of vibe of collaboration and stuff you get with people around that area, which is very positive. And I think it's good that 
Nathan Stonehouse film is making that like a more kind of concrete thing, I guess. I mean, look, I've been living in Leighton for 20 years, but you'll know from my accent, I'm not from Leighton. So what exactly is uh, Big Tent Films going to be contributing to Leighton Stonehouse's film this year? Yeah, so um, me and Emmanuel are running a workshop on taking film past first-time filmmaking. I can't get you the exact name right now, but we've seen, you know, countless workshops at Leighton Stone and other film festivals as well about how to get started, kind of basics. Yeah. And we wanted to show how you can, I mean, that's all well and good, but having to take that to like a level that goes a bit further for you. I mean, we're not super professional. We're just like, it's, it's less about having it as a career and more about having it as like a proper means of expression that can represent your own ideas and worldview and kind of it's something that you can probably enjoy doing. Because mm-hmm. for the first, like, however long making films, it's, it's really, really tough. I mean, starting making films is one of the hardest things I've ever done because it's just, we're just trying to do this thing and it's just so, so, so hard because mm. there's all these different skills at once. And we thought if we could show a way past that and show kind of how you can get it somewhere that's more comfortable and kind of more represents who you are as a person, which is something we've been lucky to experience, then that'll be good. What kind of subject does that mean you'll be talking about when, when, you, when people come to you? There are obviously some technical things about how to sort of, you know, make films in a more serious way and look more professional. But it is mostly about kind of taking film more as expression and less as just telling a story. Because I think there's a lot of um, a lot of the conversation about filmmaking for kind of first timers or short film makers is like just tell a story convincingly, make it engaging, and you're done. What we found through what we watch and what we're interested in, what we've made, it's become more and more personal. And I think it's it's very frustrating making films that aren't personal. And I've had projects myself within the ten short films that aren't personally representative representative of me and I've made for like on other people's scripts or as favors and it just kind of isn't I wouldn't go there so it's kind of just like trying to spread our passion and I guess get people to engage with film in a way that we find so rewarding yeah so in a way see see film like like a writer would see an, an exercise in creative writing yeah completely outside of what you'll be doing what aspect or specific event are you looking forward to at Lane Stoneless Film this year? Well, I haven't had a chance to properly go through the programme, but um, we we worked with, we did a panel with Not Another Film Club. Mm-hmm. I think they're doing some film showings and we'd definitely be interested in those. Me and Emmanuel are both quite um, avid cinema goers, so that would be great for sure. What is it about about what they do that, that appeals to you? Well, I think um, it's always good to have kind of curated cinema. The, the films that we find ourselves watching tend to be um, in those kind of, channels like a movie or certain art house cinemas which kind of curate it and make sure it's like a personal experience i think it all comes back to that for film but it's good because what they're doing is kind of making film more personal and what they're showing compared to like cine world what is it about and obviously we're we're coming out of a lockdown where we've not had to do we've not been able to do this very much but what what is it in particular about the shared experience that that that, that enhances film so much or makes film better I think films are kind of designed to play to different people. I mean, the, the whole process of making a film, however it is about your own expression or your own kind of ideas, mm. it is completely collaborative. Yeah. There's no aspect of film that's just one person. Even the most kind of rigid auteurs still collaborate with dozens of people. Yeah. So I think experiencing a film by yourself takes away from that. And, and you should be able to discuss and share and kind of combine experiences and opinions because everyone comes to a film with different baggage and different ideas. And I found definitely the the times that I've connected with films the best has often been with other people because I can say, I like this, you like this. How do we see it differently? 
Mm. And I think it's it's the same thing with filmmaking because if you if you come to it just with your ideas and you close off, you don't get other people's perspectives. And I think with film watching as well, that's why cinema is amazing because people will laugh, people will cry at the same time. It's just it's what you need. I love that about film discourse when you can come out of a cinema, you've watched it, and you've narrowed down on what you thought the film was, and then you say to your friend. Wasn't it amazing how they covered this theme or that theme or whatever? And your friend goes, wasn't about that at all. Yeah. And then suddenly you're having to relearn a film you've just walked out of. Or you have a nice heated debate, one or the other, depending how strongly you feel. I remember really clearly seeing on Midsummer actually with Emmanuel a couple of years ago. Mm. And I was both being quite kind of shaken because it's, you know, quite a scary film, mm. we think. And the couple behind us just laughing the entire time. And it being such a weird disconnect between how we experienced it now they experienced it, but I think it made it better actually, because it was like kind of shows you the different points of view you can get. Well, that, well yeah, I was going to. Well, that can be confusing, can it? And that's and that's a good thing. Yeah. Not, 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 it's not a pejorative sense. It's sort of like, why am I scared, and why are they finding it hilarious? Yeah. What, what am I not seeing, or what are they indeed? What are they seeing? And we really missed that. Maybe they were drinking the tea that they were having in uh, in, in midsummer. The people sat behind you. Here's a test for you. I asked Emmanuel what would be his two top tips for making a making a movie based on what you've learned making your 10 films? I would say listen to people around you mm-hmm. because if you're close-minded it doesn't, doesn't go well. And I would say come prepared as well because we I've had productions where I haven't done any shortlisting or storyboarding or any kind of prep mm. and it's just terrible because it's, you know, filmmaking is juggling a million things. So be prepared but also be open. That's what I would say. Excellent. I think one of them's an overlap, but one of them's not. So it'll be interesting to see when you get a chance to hear what Emmanuel said. Now, I didn't ask him this, but because of what we've been talking about, I feel it's a good question. If you could have any filmmaker do a workshop at Leighton Stone Love's film, who would, who would, you can have alive or dead, who would you invite down in your fantasy film workshop you could put on? That's a very difficult question. I'm quite a film fan. Um, I would say at the moment, I'm quite into Robert Altman. Okay. Uh, he made longer buying stuff. And I think even though my favorite directors aren't that style, I think that kind of improvisational working with actors quite a lot is something I'd love to be able to improve on. And he made so many films. So dead Robert Altman. Well, there we go. No, there's no bad choice there. I mean, Robert Altman manages to make films where you can be watching it and you'll be thinking, this character's really interesting. I wonder where they're going to go. And then he'll just go, forget about them. We're going off with this character now. Which is which is not normal. I mean, we're not we're taught we're taught from writing. You know, you you have a protagonist, and their it's their story and their story alone. But Robert Altman says, "I want to know everybody in this film." Yeah, and there's been a the BFI did a season on his films just the past couple of months. So I've been lucky to watch like nine in a cinema or something. It's just they've been amazing. I'm very jealous. I'm very jealous of you. I didn't. Yeah. Get, I've not seen it. I've not seen any of them on the big screen. If I'm honest, I think. Well, I think I saw the player. Back in the back in the nineties. Right. It just gives me to say thank you very much for giving your time on the Britflix podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You are listening to the Leighton Stone Loves Film podcast series. Leighton Stone Loves Film returns for a third year from the 15th to the 19th of September 2021. Across four days, Leighton Stone in East London will be host to a variety of free events brought to you by local filmmakers and film organisations. Let's get back to the interviews. Who are you and who or what do you represent? Um, my name is Simon Purnell and I uh, own and run um, a bar restaurant in Leightonstone called Philly Brook. 
And where can people find the Philibro? You can find us down Grove Green Road, down towards the Heathcote uh, pub, uh, in a what looks like an old, well, a big black shed, uh, which used to be a, a Air Cadets training base built in the 30s, I'm led to believe, by one of our older residents nearby who uh, remembers it being built. Okay. And it's been uh, yeah used for many different things over over re- well since then but over recent times and now it's where we call home. Brilliant. What kind of uh, what kind of food are you doing at the Philibrook? We have our uh, friend Fumio Tanga um, as the uh, chef, um, and obviously he's doing Japanese food, um, which is kind of uh, the more izakaya style um, food, sort of casual dining and small plates. But not your your sushi Japanese. It's yeah, I'd say more the more the casual side of Japanese dining, which um, uh, I don't know. It's a little bit underrepresented in uh, in London in, in many ways. There are a few places around, but um, it's not uh, it's not the norm, and not certainly not what you think of when you think Japanese food. No, not for sure. Yeah, no, I remember going to a place gone on uh, Charlotte Street in the West End. Yeah, there were a few places. I don't know if they some of them have, have disappeared, but um, yeah, you can you can find it. Around London. Now, the, the Philibrook is going to be one of the venues for Leighton Stone Loves Film. So um, what was it that convinced you to get involved to be one of the venues at Leighton Stone Loves Film? Uh, I mean, uh, obviously when, you know, the Barbican approached me and um, obviously I've got huge respect for the Barbican anyway. So when uh, when they wanted to kind of work with us, then it was, uh, see, initially I was uh, yeah very interested to do that. And then when we started to explore what it would actually be and what it would mean. And, you know, it was a, a no-brainer to, to say yes and, and to, to offer our space, um, you know, for the local, local film. And it's interesting that you, you, it was a former Air Cadets. Uh, I, am a, I am a former Air Cadet. Um, oh, are you? From the north of England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for the RAF, it was enough to convince me not to join. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I couldn't take orders from a 17-year-old, so I thought the idea of... <laughs> making that, going that step further um but uh, you know i had lots of fun while i was doing it so how, how is how's the Philibrook space going to be used for lane Stone's film are you exhibition or are you going to be showing films uh well we're going to be showing films and well, we're lucky here that we do have a lot of space mm-hmm. um we have a a room at uh, the back of the building which we call the gallery room which is our sort of more events type space which we haven't really utilized because of um, obviously COVID over the last few months has restricted what we can and can't do. So we're just now starting to, to build up a, you know, a program of, uh, of events. And um, so that's, that's where the films will be shown. Fantastic. Now, finally, um, and, you, and you, it's because it's you mentioned um, the, the pandemic, because I think this has been one of the things that a lot of people have missed out on and love their film. What, what, what is it about, about a film and the shared experience? Of like you know, instead of watching your own, watching it with strangers, what what is it about that for you? I mean, for me, more I'm, <laughs> I'm I come from more of a music angle than a film uh, film side, but mm-hmm. um, mainly because I, I run record labels and you know on the independent side, so yeah, that side of things is a labour of love for me. So I think it's just you know just you know giving people the opportunity to uh, show films. Um, which maybe they don't always get the opportunity to, uh, and then us as a as a local um, us as a local business, uh, having the space to to facilitate these things is, is important in 
uh, allowing these things to happen as a kind of initial thing. But then, um, you know, people, after being apart for, for so long, anything that brings people back, back together in a, in a safe environment um, has got to be a good thing. And film is, you know, the perfect, well, the perfect medium to do that. Indeed. So is, is the record label thing a live thing at the moment for you? Uh, yeah, it's what I do. On, yeah, as well as as well as run uh, Philly Brook, I run yeah two record labels. And my my business partner he he's got another record label as well. So we've got three labels between us all. What 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 are those labels? And um, one is called Leng Records, uh, which is more on the sort of uh, mid tempo sleazy disco type dance floor stuff. Yeah, all encompassing dance music. And the other one is Space Talk, which is. Uh, sort of reissues weird and wonderful music from the last 50 years, more on the left field side of things. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, my, the other label associated with is Claremont 56, which uh, is sort of, yeah, just a, a highly regarded independent record label. And any 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 what, any new release you want to give a shout out for? Uh, we're not, we definitely don't trouble the top 10. Um, but uh, yeah, so we got uh, our latest releases by Cole, uh, our friend Cole in San Francisco. His uh, track's called Little, Little Boxes, which is all remixed by some of our other label uh, artists called 40 Thieves, who are sort of based in San Francisco and Florida. Um, we've got another EP called Punta Allen EP from Lex, who's uh, our man in Athens, who's making some amazing kind of down-tempo Balearic music at the moment. Oh, nice. Uh, we've got some stuff coming up from got, um, some stuff from Emperor Machine coming up. Some Ron Trent remixes, and uh, he's a, obviously a US house music legend from from over past few decades. Um, and Daniele Baldelli releases a lot of music with us, and he's a Tallow disco legend from from the seventies. He was kind of key key person in the uh, in the Italo, Italian disco scene in the seventies. Yeah, lots of different stuff we do. Nice one. No, it sounds interesting. Well, look, it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving me your time on the Britflix podcast. No, thanks very much uh, for having a chat. Looking forward to the festival. You are listening to the Leighton Stone Loves Film podcast series. Leighton Stone Loves Film returns for a third year from the 15th to the 19th of September 2021. Across four days, Leighton Stone in East London will be host to a variety of free events brought to you by local filmmakers and film organisations. Let's get back to the interviews. Who are you and who or what do you represent? So my name is Irina and I run a company called Sign for All Community. Uh, so the company provides um, awareness and accessibility for deaf families so we also work with organisations just to make them a bit more accessible, to provide deaf awareness, just so families can access their service and their access in mainstream settings as well. Um, so we do like a range of different kind of services for fathers, for parents, for children. We work with authors and translate stories into BSL. We work with a cinema. So we'll host like a family film event where we'll go and show a new film having subtitles and then we'll add like a performance so the kids get to see a deaf role model. They get a bit more than just going to a cinema, just watching a film. Um, and we've also like taught the cinemas deaf awareness and basic signing. So they become more confident to speak to deaf people and then deaf people are able to attend their venues. 
we've done like a low range of different kind of um kind of workshops and activities but it's mainly all about accessibility got you now we'll put a link in the show notes but do you want to say what your what website people can access you on to find out about getting access to your services yeah the the website's still in process um it's on my to-do list but we do have uh, our instagram page which is uh it's sign which is s-i-g-n underscore four f-o-r underscore a-double-l and on Twitter, it's signed for all. Um, on Facebook, it's the same. So just type it in and then you'll be able to see the page. And hopefully we'll have the website coming up soon, which will have more information about what we do and evidence of stuff that we've done as well. So Fantastic. Well, look, I'll put, I'll put all the different details for the different social medias in the show notes so people okay. don't have to be trying to, don't have to try and write it down while they're listening. But it's good to know across all the main platforms. So first off, what does Leighton Stone Loves Film mean to you? It's a whole new um, platform and a really lovely partnership. Later Zone, Zone have, they've always been supportive. Um, we're signed for all. They've always offered us opportunities. So during lockdown, um, they funded us to do an online film event where we created a couple of films, um, animated films, and families got to watch this during lockdown. And it was really nice for them to see new films. Um, also, we did a dance workshop with the Later Stone uh, when they did their one of the festivals when we first joined. So we uh, had like a dance workshop by a dancer called Chris, uh, Chris Fonseca. He's a deaf dancer, choreographer, teacher. So he led an all-day workshop. Um, and we've also got another family coming up in September. So we've been given so much opportunities to create different work with Alita Stone and to make them more accessible as well, to kind of give back and say, well, as a company, this is what you can do to be accessible. Um, and this is what we can do. And just kind of provide provide more access to families in Leighton, in Leighton Stone, in East London, and just so they're aware about the company and what we do and what everyone else does, really. Brilliant. So, yeah, it's been really brilliant. So what specifically are you going to be contributing to Leighton Stone Lodge Film this year? Accessibility. Um, so family film clubs um, with access, yeah. That'd be our main focus. What's what's the key, what's the key to accessibility then? What are the th- if 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 we were to just put a normal film up for people to watch, mm-hmm. what is it that we're not it's getting make, that is that make you're yeah. going to help get people get access to the film? It's to make sure that these films are subtitled, um, and to make filmmakers aware to get used to maybe subtitling in their film to make it a lot more accessible, and also for hearing people to understand that subtitle films will be developed more and to kind of accept watching a film with subtitles because I know in the past some people uh, don't like films with subtitles, they find it quite distracting. It's developing more things with subtitles and making hearing people aware that subtitles are normal to become used to them, Hmm. don't find it irritable or it's not a nuisance. Um, So the film will be in subtitles and we will do like an intro and maybe like a performance with signing again, raising awareness to the hearing community mm-hmm. just so that they, I think more for the kids and for families to feel like it's quite normal to integrate with other families who might be different. Got you. I must admit, I, I accidentally went to a screening at Sydney world at 02 where I didn't realize what I booked to see. And, and there were subtitles on the film and it was like, oh, right, I see. I've uh, 
I've come to a diff- I've come to a screening that's helping to get access. It actually helps with spending. I'll be honest. You know, I'm my my background. My parents are deaf, so um, so that's why I got into the whole thing with the commute with the deaf community and why I'm so strong about access because growing up we didn't have that support. Got you know, it. I'd end up translating to my parents, and at a young age, at that time I thought that was okay, but now looking back, I'm like, no, that's not okay. And there are families out there that kids still do that. Um, there wasn't much awareness going around in terms of like third party organizations, um, the council, social workers. So that's why I'm really strong about access and to help families and to take away, take away the responsibilities that fall onto the children. Mm-hmm. But also for me, I find subtitles that helps me with my spending. And I might, there might be a new word. I'm like, oh, that's how it's spelled, or this is how it looks. Um, you know, and there's a lot of films now where they're international speakers, but they put on English subtitles. And you just kind of become used to it. But then again, it depends on the audience. But it's just encouraging to say, just think more about subtitle work. There's a lot of, mum- there's a lot yeah, of mumblers. The, there's a lot of mumblers these days on screens. So the subtitles can help you understand what the hell someone's saying. And they're speaking exactly. English. And, especially, <laughs> and in accents, if there's yeah. a very strong accent as well, mm. that would help. So, yeah, I think it's really important. No, totally. Um, outside of the work you'll be doing yourself, what aspects of specific event are you looking forward to the most that Leightonstone loves film this year? Well, I, I'll be honest. I need to like tap into more of the stuff they do. And it'd be nice to go along to events that's coming up this year to watch other people's work. Mm-hmm. But from like, certain meetings that we've had and like, speaking to some of the people and their companies, the work they do sounds really amazing. Mm. So it'd be really nice for me to actually put aside the company and just go and watch and visit um I'll be keen if there be a, if there's a lot more outdoor stuff coming up this year. I think that'd be really nice as well, mm. and just kind of learning a bit more about the work that they provide as well. I must admit, I I had um, experience. I do a thing. I don't know if you've seen like audiograms, which are like video things with wavy files on. I use snippets of the podcast, and and I posted. I used to post them on LinkedIn and Facebook and so on. And a deaf person got in touch with me and said, "This is no good to me. I can't see what's on it." And the, the, the software I was using at the time just used to translate the audio into this like video file. And then I went and after getting that feedback, I went and found there's a there's a company called Headliner, which is an app you can use that uses AI to start putting the, the subtitles on. And then I just neaten the subtitles up a bit. It takes about 10 minutes. And suddenly I've let I've given access to a video file, which obviously it's very common. You see, and I didn't realize that was just as simple as. As, yeah. as using AI software, which kind of takes the, the legwork out of putting the subtitles on audio, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does, but it makes such a massive difference. And even if any sort of audio recordings, and yeah, just adding subtitles underneath, um, it makes a difference because, again, you're given a different platform of access. They might not see who's talking, but they can read and know what's going on. Because um, I always think, what if it was me? You know, what if the tables were turned and I was that deaf person or, you know, a person with disability, how would I feel? And I think I always kind of keep that in the back of my mind thinking, okay, so how would it work for this person? How can they feel that they're included and being inclusive? And I've, I've always pushed really hard with the company in terms of diversity and inclusion. I've always said, you know, I want it to be diverse. I want it to be really included. I want it. I want loads of people to benefit from the service not just for one particular group or particular area. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you just you always learn. You learn new things and learn things how to kind of develop and change. Yeah. 
What's what's been the newest aspect that you've discovered in your in your providing access? What what aspects of, of services? Gosh, I think it's just constantly talking to the families and asking, like, do you understand this? Is it clear? Um, because I realized when I did like marketing and just posters, I'd make sure the information was really, really clear, but I'd still have parents go, So what time does the film start? I'm like, it says right there on the poster. Um, so then we started doing promotion videos with a sign-in and that really, really helps showing the venue um, and then signing with a voiceover and subtitles. So I've been doing more of that during lockdown and more kind of just videos, just making things a lot more clearer. Um, and just constantly just asking the families, like, is this clear? What can we do to improve? Because um, there's always room for improvement, to be honest. Indeed, indeed. Everything's a work in progress on the next work in progress. It is. It is. Why do you think film works best when it's a shared experience? Because it brings the community together. You know, it's a chance for everyone to be in the same room, whether it's indoors or outdoors, watch a film that they enjoy. It might be something completely new. And films are educational. There's always a meaning behind films. There's always meanings behind what they're showing. Um, And it's just good for people just to enjoy something and hopefully they learn from it. I think it's a good way of getting the community together. Couldn't agree with you more. Well, look, Irina, it just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on the BritFlix podcast. Thank you very much too. Thank you. You are listening to the Leighton Stone Loves Film podcast series. Leighton Stone Loves Film returns for a third year from the 15th to the 19th of September 2021. Across four days, Leighton Stone in East London will be host to a variety of free events brought to you by local filmmakers and film organisations. Let's get back to the interviews. Who are you? Hello, my name is Caroline, Caroline Wilson. Um, I am a writer and a curator and I lead a youth film collective in London called Under London where we help young filmmakers and we screen work from emerging talent. Mostly young filmmakers, um, but the word young is quite I don't, I don't want that to be a limitation on someone who maybe have started their career a bit later because I believe, you know, if you want to make it work, you'll make it work. So we're just here to support anyone who's um, starting off and who wants to connect with like-minded creatives. Where, where was the last place that you screened work at? We collaborated with Tape Collective last week and we're doing it at the end of the month as well. So the Tape Collective have designed a film program at the BFI in July called Where Are You Really From? Um, the question coming from sometimes if you're from like an ethnic background, people go, where are you from? And you say like Leightonstone, they're going, no, where are you really from? Like they want to know like where your parents are from or where you're from originally. So that season is, is films about, you know, identity, um, especially, you know, if you're from East London, you know, it's kind of a melting pot. There's, you know, it's a bit like United Nations. Everyone's, <laughs> every single race is represented. I helped them curate a film screening at the end of the month, which came from open submissions. And the young filmmakers got a chance to, um, once they got chosen to get their films, the BFI sound one of the biggest venues in London. And we helped last week with a screening of The Namesake, which is um, a film that came out quite a few years ago. And we also did like some spoken word, curated some spoken word stuff. What does Leighton Stone Loves Film mean to you? 
Um, so I got into the project through We Are Parable, which are like an amazing organization. Um, they referred me um, to, they were talking to me about the festival like beforehand because I think they participated in it a few times. Um, and they also live close to the area. And um, so they're like a inspiration to me, Tian and Anthony, you know, they do such a great job. And I live, I live in Woodford, which is not too um, far away from Leytonstone. So I was kind of intrigued um, because I'm also, I'm always kind of like with community projects, I'm like, how do I make this still like engaging? Because sometimes when people think community, they think, oh, it's just like bare bones or like, you know, um, shoestring budget. Um, but then when I got to like, you know, meet the team, they were like, no, like this is what we've done previously. Like we want to like challenge people's view of community cinema, like move it forward, move the medium forward. It means, I think... Leightonstone means film means like challenging preconceptions and um, investing in the in I wouldn't say original community, but just um, you know instead of traveling to Waterloo to screen a film in the BFI, like you can do it at the, at the library. You just need to like renew your mindset, and you know if you spend a bit of time on it, you know you can actually um, bring that same quality there. You just need to begin to challenge some of the preconceived notions you have that. We think, oh, like I need to be at a certain area for to get an audience. But it's like you can actually, as a curator, you can actually create something good locally. You just have to like be more in tune with the audience and like not make any assumptions about them. And what will you be contributing to Lane Stone Love's film? So I got referred on and then they were like, um, send us some ideas. And for so long, I didn't have any ideas. I was getting scared. I was thinking I have to send them an email saying, sorry, I don't know. Like literally like no ideas were coming. I didn't want to just do the typical thing of just, you know, screening some short films. I got to a point also in my development when I, I, I knew I had to like grow I didn't just do the typical thing of just screening some short films that have been screened like so many other places that people could just find on the internet. Even though like, I guess, you know, they, someone can always discover them, but I wanted to do something different. So it was weeks of thinking. I was getting, I was actually getting scared. I thought, oh, I was like, oh, maybe I've lost, I've dried up, you know, like the ideas, have, the ideas have gone. I was just like, but then I, I liked the team, um, like Wilner and everyone was really supportive. They were like, take your time, come back to us. So I had a think and then I was thinking, okay, what do I want to see when I go somewhere? And um, I was like at home, I, I like, I was having problems with like the mainstream streamers on like Netflix, Apple TV, because it would just like, I had every, I had hundreds of content that I was paying for monthly, yearly, but yeah, I was watching nothing. I was like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, it's coming out of my... I was just like, okay, like... And they're coming up with original content. And I was just like, okay, that's a kind of a problem I'm going through at the moment. But I was kind of seeing my friends or people I knew that they had started their own indie streamers. You know, young people had started their own websites where they were kind of like curating their own content, local content, content from like niche communities. So I was like, okay, maybe that's my way in, like doing an exhibition about independent streamers because we all know about Prime, Apple TV, Netflix is like the conglomerate or whatever that's called, like that's like taking over. But I was like, okay, how can I challenge the mainstream? 
And I was just like, okay, cool. I think I've got my way in. So I already knew a few streamers I had like, or just creators I knew who were like, I want to start my own streamer. And I just thought that was so inventive. So I was like, okay, let me do an exhibition like that, Mm. that people can go to and start looking into content that they wouldn't normally go into and know that that's an alternative for them when they get home. Okay, if, if Netflix is too much for me today, I can have a look at like someone's website and a new indie streamer and know that, okay, there's curated content there for me to challenge what's being fed to me. Mm. Like, so, and that could be like a, um, an incubator for new talent. So that was kind of like my way in. So I submitted my proposal first. I was getting a bit scared. Oh, they're going to think, okay, like, hope this is worth the wait. But they were like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So that's, yeah, kind of what I'm contributing to the festival, God willing. My concept is, um, I've like, I've, I was, I, I created a slideshow and I've also got to like do my like budget form as well. Like I want it to be kind of like you go in there and it's like a bedroom like a gamer's bedroom and you've got like multiple TV screens and you pick what you want to watch. Each TV screen represents like a streamer and you get to pick like, have a look um, and also like portraits on the wall of the streamers. So you get to kind of like um, see the stories and the creators behind them and their process because we also want it to be um, inspiration for more independent um, indie streamers to come about. So people to be like, hang on, like, I've got ideas, like, like, I because I hear so many people saying, you've got to watch this show, you've got to watch that show. And I'm just like, okay, you just need to put it on a list for me so I can follow it. Like, you know, so many people, they don't necessarily work in film, but they're so passionate about their favorite TV shows or their favorite films. So I think there needs, I think it's healthy, um, you know, since you know, streaming is just the way that the industry has moved forward. I think we need to also um, champion the cult- counterculture and the, you know, the independent voices that are rising through. And I think, you know, hopefully with this exhibition, if we inspire one person just to start their own playlist or their own, mm. you know, I think that will be cool to just continue that along. Have you? What's the title of your, your strand of the festival? What's the title you've given it? Well, I need to think of like a, you know, a more catchy title it's like indie streamers but I'd, I'd, like I need to think about that more that's that's another okay. thing sometimes my brain is slow it takes time for the penny to drop but um sounds like you've been doing a lot of thinking don't worry about that what aspect of uh, or specific event outside of what you're doing are you looking forward to at Leighton Stone Loves Film I think with going to the partner meetings and stuff it really seems like there's a lot of different you know, people from different demographics and ages that I'm kind of interested in attending and having a look. Because I think sometimes I've worked a lot with people who are similar age to me, kind of like the similar things. And sometimes Mm. through hearing some of the pitches, like they're completely different. Like, And I think that's kind of what I need at the moment. So I'm kind of interested in keeping an open mind and just like popping into things and really like... Because sometimes my inspirations come from things that are like so you know, things that I would never expect. And then I'm like, I see something, I take a bit of it and I'm like, okay, I'm going to use that for my next thing. They're the best, in- they're the best inspirations. Exactly. <laughs> Why do you think film works best when it or when it's a shared experience as, a, as opposed to watching a film on your own? I think it carries memories of the event of like going there, sitting down. So it's the whole like communal thing. 
when I go to the cinema, I also like to know the reactions around me, like to certain scenes or certain things. So certain things like I don't find funny, but I'm hearing everyone laugh. So it challenges my own viewing experience as well. And I think like I'm I'm such like a geek. I like going to the cinema by myself sometimes. But like sometimes it is necessary for me to like go with a friend, go in the screen that scene, I'm like foolish. I even I've been inspired by what's happened with like Space Jam over the, the opening weekend, you know, people, families coming down, you know, parents who were children when the first one came out are now bringing their children for the second one. It's like a whole new generation. And that's yeah. what cinema's about. You know, people are like, oh, it only scored this on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, who cares? It's not for that. That That's not what the film is for. Well, look, it just gives me to say thank you very much for talking to us on the Britflix podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Leighton Stone Loves Film 2021 podcast series. If you've got time, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Leighton Stone Loves Film is produced by The Barbican in partnership with local residents and organisations and is commissioned by the London Borough of Waltham Forest, supported by Arts Council England.